Hello and welcome to Do the Right Thing, your weekly writing prompt podcast. I'm Matthias. And I'm Jarvis. Jarvis and I are sentient pencils scribbling away on uh, a very the, on the journal of life. So we issue a challenge to do the right thing, which is sitting down each week using three or four randomly generated words for that week. Uh, then, if we've written the story, we come on the podcast, we read it, we talk about it, and we talk about what we learned in writing it. Or, if we haven't written the story, because this is a changing format, uh, <laughs> we, we pick a topic to talk about, uh, and then uh, we always finish off by talking about listener-submitted stories. Mm-hmm. We're simply here to help you do the right thing. A doof media, a doof media pro production. Uh, so we have great. not written We're a story kings. this week. Next week, I do mm-hmm. have a, a plan because it's going to be it's an interesting week. We're doing a, a, a special thing next week. I don't know if you guys have seen it because it's on it's on Twitter and on the subreddit. But if you haven't seen it, we're doing something different. Um, mm-hmm. But this week, uh, what are we talking about this week, Jarvis? This week, we're going to be talking about juxtaposition and using the negative to describe something that that could mean um, describing a a beer can uh, while comparing it to a wine bottle uh-huh. and uh, and a certain things like that. Okay. Uh, I'm interested in exploring this topic, which you have brought to the table. So I think you have a good grasp on what exactly it is you want to talk about. And I'm here for it. Exactly. Mm-hmm. But first and foremost, we have to say what words we yeah well, what, what, what are the words, words we, we didn't, didn't use, use this week? week yeah exactly that's exactly. that's perfect uh this week the words were pace separate stroke and visual nice nice um, so if i had written a, a story i think i would have used stroke pace and and visual mm-hmm. only only because all of those deal with something pretty uh, physical you know mm-hmm. you can stroke a a oar to push a ship forward mm. or how topical or you can set pace when you're running your mile certain things like that wow uh lots of options here <laughs> Uh, well, I'm excited to see to, to talk about the stories that um, that we're, we're covering this week. So they were uh, really interesting. Um, but uh, okay, let's get into the the topic at hand. So what what could you could you go further into as to what are some other examples of juxtaposition and using the negative? Exactly. So um, basically, other examples would be. Uh, well, I I have one from uh, from my own writing, right? So typically, what I really like to do is to describe things by what they are not, mm-hmm. um, only because I found that at least for me, it kind of fosters a deeper understanding of what that thing is. So, um, for example, within Weekend City, uh, I have recently started to do a. Um, rewrite of the beginning of of the uh, story and i am planning to kind of set that up so when uh nano remo comes uh i'll have enough uh work down to kind of start writing a a full novel so i'm really happy and excited about that mm-hmm. um but when i decided to describe the main character i uh, i said that that they are not a cop or a detective but their job follows along the same lines. Mm-hmm. So, 
So basically, through describing him like that, I kind of tried to add to the complexity of this character. Uh, because even though he does act like a cop, even though he does act like a detective, it is it is it is apparent to the audience that he is not, which then can, can further foster more con more complexity with this character. Mm. Um, and I don't know. I uh, think in other instances, uh, using the negative, using what something is not, can better help the the audience understand what it is Mm -hmm. so like how how a phone isn't a computer but it's not Mm -hmm. a landline either it's a nice marriage of of both Mm -hmm. in a sense yeah yeah okay that makes sense um well it's interesting so uh, if you'll let me dip into uh literary theory again um so some of y'all if you listen to decomposing worm you may have already heard me talk about this so i apologize for going over this multiple times but just so we're all um on the 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 same page right um so basically there is a uh school of thought um in the the post-structuralist sort of well i guess that's the school of thought uh which basically (laughs) actually no this is a structuralist thought and then post-structuralism just builds off of it anyway sorry about that um where uh, they ask the question of, like, where does the meaning in words come from, right? Because when you open mm-hmm. a book, right, uh, when, you, when you open a, a dictionary and you look up a word, you just get more words, right? And yeah. if you look up each of those words, you just get more words. And eventually, it, there's just a giant loop of all of the words just describing each other. Um, and there's no, like, set non-word meaning, Um Except for like experience, but there's then there's no reason for an experience like you know seeing a tree or whatever to give you the word tree. The word tree has actually nothing to do with an actual tree. Uh, mm-hmm. So um, <laughs> this one literary uh, theorist, um, a linguist, actually um, uh, named uh, Ferdinand de Saussure, was basically mm. saying <clears throat> that meaning comes from. Um, how signs, which are like words, like written or said, they're signs, mm-hmm. and then signified is actually w- what it means. Signs are, um, they signify what they signify because they don't signify other things. They, the entire meaning comes from the difference between it and another word. So a cat, the word cat means a cat because it doesn't mean a mat or a bat or a wall or a house or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, when words like end up being mixed and meaning the, the same thing, that's kind of when they stop being useful. And then usually like one word wins over another. Um, and that also ties into the whole concept of how like, if there isn't a word to describe something, it kind of doesn't exist as a concept. Like, um, what, what do you call the, like the center bit of your palm? Like, not like um, the the like the round center bit of your palm, right? You could say the center of your palm, but that's like that's how you will. Yeah. It's not a specific word. It's not like no one ever thinks about that particular patch, right? Yeah. Or exactly, like because it's not a very um, yeah, it's a palm. Yeah. Um. Or like, what's it? It's it's actually very difficult to think of something because it's like. Uh, Maybe the tip of your finger. Yeah, well, there's not a name for the tip of your finger except for the tip of your finger. But even more than that, there's like stuff where it's like even harder to describe, especially in words, because 
like the fact that you're using words kind of signifies that there already is some sort of concept about it, but mm-hmm. um, it, like if I were to just like draw a circle on the ground, right, and mm-hmm. be like, what is the word for this? And you'd have to use a lot of words to just describe its position in relation to everything else. Anyway, I'm going yeah. off on a tangent, but the point is <laughs> um, that uh, – the the concept of describing something by saying what it isn't is actually like really um central to i think the definition of a lot of words um and just like a lot of like high concepts it can basically only be described that way like justice you can des- describe some things that are justice but it's much much easier to describe like what isn't justice mm-hmm. what what is an injustice i see yeah i mean honestly you just explain you just explained structuralism better than any of my teachers so. well <laughs> thank you thank well, you very the, much the the one tiny little like sliver uh, of it yeah, yeah paragraph yeah. of it yeah because i mean like as as i was learning it something that i grasp grasped onto more was the was the concept of uh basically understanding certain texts based on what it's like you know mm-hmm. uh and i forgot what that was called there was a specific word for from it but yeah that was something that I really uh, grasped grasped onto mm-hmm. um but yeah i mean uh a another great way that you can use uh juxtaposition in uh in your writing is is basically putting up what is your expectation for something versus the actuality mm-hmm. uh so for instance let's say you you are setting up this old man so basically, as as soon as I say old old man, you are already thinking of what you think a old man should look like. Mm-hmm. Probably grayed, maybe has a little hunch, maybe he talks slow, a little bit grizzled. You know what a ideal old man is. Mm-hmm. I think we all have now, a different, a slightly different old man in our heads when we picture old man. Yeah, probably. I mean, I'm pretty sure most people might picture their like grandfather or uh, something like like that. But all of our grandfathers look very different. Um, but yeah, so so you have that picture of an old man. Now, as you are describing him, you you can actively choose to to focus on things that are not like a old man. Like uh, like yes, he is a old man, but he just came came off of his morning walk. Yes, he is an old man, but he doesn't smell that bad, you know. <laughs> uh, and. By using this, you you are able to create a clearer picture of who this person is in the mind of of your audience. Because I mean, when we read anything, uh, reading in itself is just it's just it's just taking it's, it's just taking in words and letting our brain create the picture for us. Mm-hmm. So it is so it is really our job as writers to try to steer them in the right direction when they are creating mm-hmm. this picture. And people focus on the negative and people focus on the positive. But the, but the truth is that the negative is more impactful mm-hmm. in, in, a, uh, in a lot of ways. So I think as, as writers, we should try and, and utilize the negative a lot more. Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, and I, just to, for like an example, like I, I always find it really uh, just delightful when like a story will start off describing something in negatives. Like I, mm-hmm. I just like really enjoy that experience of like you can op- you can 
picture a, a, a novel opening with like, you know, uh, Frederick was not uh, a bad man, but he wasn't exactly. a good man. I love that. Right. <laughs> uh, love and it. then, you know, that, I mean, it raises so many questions of like, please go into more well, detail on how he's neither of these things, even though they're opposites. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like in, in your example, you know, someone not being a cop, um, the, the word, when there's a negative, it also like implies it, the word being a negative usually doesn't actually imply that someone is like the total opposite of of the thing. I mean, sometimes it does. Mm-hmm. If you say that someone is not a good person, that probably does actually mean that they're a bad person, right? But um, when you say someone is not a cop, that doesn't usually... Like, you wouldn't be saying that if they were just, like, a criminal on the street that just, like, beats people up, right? Like, you would be, exactly. like, they are actually somewhat like a cop, but they are still not. But they're not a cop, yeah. Right. Uh, and I think that that just goes towards, uh, as I said, trying to build the the complexity within a, a character. Because, I mean, as as much as, as us as people are things, like, I am a writer, I am a, I am a black man, I am a college student, we, we are a lot more of what we are not than what we are if that makes sense sure i mean i think there's just like um the amount of things that you are not is enormous um and i think anytime that you point out one thing that you aren't you are also like you're clarifying um something by taking out like a, a lot of options of what you could be you're actually taking out a lot of uncertainty of course yeah. going the other direction and just saying what you are also adds a lot of certainty but um they're just two different tools i think to to do that exactly and then also you know you can like going back to the cop example if i did say he was a cop of course that is going to put so many different images of of what he does look like in right. your mind does he but do things by the book raises... is he the exactly. the rogue the the renegade uh yeah is he the yeah. fucking off off duty cop trying to to just he's 12 years from retirement and he's hard grizzled you know like yeah. like like what kind of cop is he so yeah, I, I feel that if you if you define someone by what they are, that adds so many more questions than if you define them by what they are not, hmm. in a sense. And and of course, it is wholly dependent on what you've set up up to that point. Yeah, I also just find it really enjoyable to do it that way. I think it also mm-hmm. like adds a little element of a puzzle, of um, of kind of fitting together all these things that they aren't. Uh, and kind of like leaving a space in the middle, sort of like drawing via shadow. Um, exactly. Yeah. I would like to see. It would be an interesting thought to see like an entire story that's just negatives. There's no positive statements. There's only mm. what things aren't. I think that would be interesting. That would be very interesting to do yeah, that because... without it being exhausting. Would be the difficulty. Exactly. Because I mean, like. I don't know, because if you, like, if everything within your, your story is defined by the negative, is it possible to paint a picture that way? I think you would, but I think you would have a lot of difficulty with some areas. Like, mm-hmm. um, like if it was uh, sunny outside, right, and you're describing a scene outside, saying it was not dark does imply light, but it does not... I, I think you would end up with uh, doing the, the comparison thing where you're like, okay, it wasn't dark, but it's probably not 
bright either, right? Yeah. So, like, you would actually have a really hard time to get to that point. Like, like it's really hard to say that the sun was high up in... Uh, high up above and and bright and shining without saying it that way. So I think it would be an mm-hmm. interesting experiment. Maybe yeah. maybe one so of these hey. weeks we'll do that. Exactly. And hey, if uh, you were listening right now and you have the perfect idea for it, just go ahead and submit it to do the right thing. Um. So yeah, and I think at the end of of the day, something that we have to remember is that as as writers, we are putting down words on on the page but our main job is painting a picture painting a image making sure that if something moves we have to we have to fully understand how and why it does move because the way because the words that we put on the page can be interpreted in a thousand different ways so it is basically our job to kind of meter it down to at least maybe three different ways that it can possibly be taken. <laughs> it's a bit of an arbitrary um, number, but, but sure. <laughs> well, I, yeah. I mean, like, I, I think the important thing is to, is, is cutting it down to the, of a, a functional idea. And, and you can go more yeah. specific than that, of course, but like the, you know, the, the Hemingway perspective is just like, if you just, if, if all the important assumptions are wrapped up in someone being an old man then you could just say that they're an old man right um Mm -hmm. and you don't they don't we don't necessarily need to know about the uh the long white hair or the long beard or whatever unless if it's like relevant to a theme or a character um description um that sort of thing so um yeah i think I, i think leaving some blank spots uh it 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 can be all right and i think one way to do that would be with with negatives of yeah because you're not like specifically coloring the entire thing mm. and uh i know that i think last last week we talked about being specific and being very um effective when it comes to like whatever you you write make sure that everything you do put down kind of pushes forward the the story and i think in some ways if someone does get caught up in using the negative that can contradict the idea of trying to go for the simple um but of course when it comes to anything that we are going going to be talking about on this on this podcast it's all about you finding that balance it's about you trying to decide if you describing this old man as not a couch po- potato if that is going to actually add to to your story or at least add to building up that that character mm-hmm. so really all, all this takes a huge level of discernment on uh, the writer's part um, but the hope is that uh, they will at least take any sort of consideration into using the negative because without a doubt it is effective I think yeah, it's a, I think it's a a good tool to have in your toolbox. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, I think that's enough uh, commentary on this particular topic. If you have any um, perspective on this or any questions that you want you know other people to to answer, um, go ahead and and ask them either in the discussion thread or if you're on the Discord in the uh, channel or you could tweet at us or or whatever. Or we also exactly. have an email that I that that. Um, we do we check that we have fairly often. Well, I mean, recently that's not been a problem. So, mm-hmm. yeah. um, I'm forgiving myself. 
<laughs> but yeah, uh, as you said, I think it is high time to move on to our listener submitted stories. That's section. right. Okay, so, so what are the stories we're going to be talking about uh, this week, Travis? These, so the stories we are going to be talking about this week are by Nick Yu, Captain Rhino, Ace of Sword, Paradox, and Darby Jazz. Mm-hmm. And and of course, as we say every single last week, we are going to spoil all of these stories. So, if you haven't read them, please pause, pause, pause this podcast right now. Go read them, and then come on back so you can hear our analysis of them. That's right. Um, okay, let's get started. All right, cool. So the first one up is by Ace of Sword with direction. Uh, so this is, I think, the the what one, two, three four, five, six, seventh six. story they've written in yeah, this seven. uh series. Um I think we've covered at least one before, uh, but it's this sort of a superhero setting, although maybe super villain setting is maybe a little bit more uh apt. Even I think it's in I think it's in this middle ground. Yeah. Um super setting. Yeah. So we have this uh, our our main character uh, our our perspective character in this is Lord Cyborg, which is which is really fun. This is not the first time this character has Honestly, come up. I like love how how much of a Power Rangers esque villain <laughs> that is. <laughs> I feel like that that kind of fits the vibe a little bit. Like they're not power, does, you know. Yeah. They they're they're very different, but they're kind of like like they, there's a bunch of kids and they have like the the, the superpowers um mm. and, and they're kind of getting live gathered in the uh, in the same small small town of Crystal Lake. Mhm. Yeah. Um maybe more animorphs, maybe. Yeah. Anyway, so um, uh, Lord Cyborg is uh, currently, he's watching a bunch of feeds of our uh, different uh, uh, teen superhero characters um, that they, they've all either gotten their powers recently or about to get their powers. Um, and uh, he's uh, kind of watching them on a, on a video feed and we're sort of like seeing his plans for each of them. Um, how uh, some of them need more time to discover their powers. Some of them are ready to go out and fight crime. Uh, some of them uh, need to to get the power soon. And uh, so we kind of get that Lord Cyborg is sort of like grooming these kids to be a superhero team, but also like not directly involved with them either, and sort of mm-hmm. doing things in the in the shadows. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So we get yeah we get a lot of um, uh, devious plotting. Uh, on the part of Lord Cyborg, <laughs> and, and we learned uh, a bit about each of these characters. It's hard to summarize because there's um, a lot of them, um, but I, I find it very interesting. And one of them shapeshifts, and I always want to read more about that. So I'm, yeah, I'm excited to <laughs> to to read more about that. Um, yeah, Animorphs was really good for me. I really liked it. <laughs> um, I never finished it though. I should probably do that. Anyway, uh, the uh, the we, we end the scene here with uh, Lord Cyborg. Uh, making a, a connection with uh, a monster in in a cage somewhere in the city, uh, essentially, and uh, sort of like uh, taking uh, possession of it. We assume through cyborg uh, means, and uh, we get the implication <laughs> that it's going to go loose on the city, and uh, the our our super teens are are going to go uh, fight it and and sort of like meet each other that way or something like that. Um, so, which I found uh, really, really fun, and I'm excited for the next entry in the series. Yeah, definitely. I mean, um, not to spoil the boys at all, 
Uh, but this does remind me of a specific moment in the uh, uh, in the second season. Uh, but yeah, overall, I think honestly, um, the world building here is really great. Like, like I love how how quickly we are thrown in to the mind of um, Lord Lord Cyborg, um, and I do like how 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 uh, even time is spent with like all of these perspective heroes. Um, and yeah, I think really this story does a great job of setting up this very odd situation that can only go to like greater places from uh, from here. And yeah, this is um, a kind of a type of, of superhero story that I haven't really been seen being being explored too much. I think the closest thing that, that I can really think of is um, this one DC comic run where like every villain, I think in, in Arkham is brainwashed and put in and put into this suburb uh and basically they're all made to like think that they're just like the, like average person um <laughs> which okay. which i mean that's kind of goofy but it's also a pretty solid comic but um that's an yeah, interesting idea <laughs> exactly and i think it is so left field and different from like what we are used to that it kind of brings us to a whole new experience. So honestly, I can see that same amount of possibility in this story if you do choose to kind of push it forward. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, overall, I just really love what was put down on the page, and I can't wait to see what Lord Lord Cyborg does next. So really yeah. good job. All right. Uh, so who's next? Up next is Nick to you with A Red Evening. Uh, so this was a really uh, enjoyable story. Uh, Nick uses um, uh, love the format paragraph breaks a lot. So each each paragraph is like one sentence, mm-hmm. um, it may be two uh, occasionally. So um, the sun's beginning to set, uh, and our, our character is one thousand paces away from uh, the man, which is is they've uh, been searching for this person for a very long time, and over the course of this, in these very short. Um, one or two sentence uh, paragraphs. Um, we know that uh, this man once came to their village and, and killed everyone there. And uh, our our main character trained for a very long time uh, to get their revenge. Um, and eventually they, they get up to the man and the man's watching the sunset and they know that they're there. And they exchange a dialogue with the old man basically saying, um, what is the purpose of, of having vengeance? It was a long time ago. I don't <laughs> I don't slaughter whole villages anymore. Um, and uh, what if I'm just living here peacefully? And our main character, who is young and, and their motivation falters a little bit uh, in these, the face of these questions, but not enough. Um, and uh, so the fight starts... And uh, it it it's, gets pretty close, and we think that the 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 old man's gonna win. The old man cuts off uh, our main character's hand, um, but uh, still not not good enough. He's he's too old, and our main character uh, cuts off their head, and um, goes to a house to uh, uh, try and find a doctor so that they don't mm-hmm. die in the end of it. Um, <laughs> so which so I found this really tense, um, and I I think the 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 pacing is really really enjoyable as we approach the old man and we get the all the necessary background information before we get that dialogue and that that fight i think the fight is really well done too it's it's uh smooth and i think the the way that it's broken up um makes it pretty easy to follow this um short you know uh samurai uh duel 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I mean, I really like that on the week where pace is uh, one of the words that uh, Nick to you really experimented with pacing. I mean, I, I really think that the sort of form of uh, each line only being about one sentence really kind of slowed down my uh, reading to a very nice somber pace that really worked well for uh, for this story. And I mean, overall, I think there are, uh, I think one moment that I really did like is when the uh, old man uh, is questioning like, well, if I have changed, is there really any point of uh, killing me? Which I don't know, I, I just really liked that a moment and I liked how we kind of saw this main character falter. Uh, in a way, I think it would have been really cool if we had explored that mm-hmm. a, a, mm-hmm. a bit more. Uh, only because that's such like I don't know I I haven't really seen that sort of that sort of situation before where a main char- when a main character so hell bent on revenge actually questions it at the last moment and I think that that could yeah. be a really cool moment. There's there's one example if you ever watched um, the original Avatar: The Last Airbender um, yes, series. Exactly so about. yeah, there's a there's a a bit in I think the the third book. Um, or season or whatever. I think it's like the second to last episode. <laughs> I, I think about. it's yeah, it's pretty it's pretty late where there's there's something like this. Um and it uh yeah, it goes a, a different direction. So but yeah, I completely agree where like I felt like there was a lot coming to to set up a um set up that question and I, I think the question is really well asked. Mm-hmm, and very. uh yeah, it was I, I think just um finishing off that that thought and uh, tying it together and it doesn't necessarily have to end in the you know the obvious way of like the cycle of violence continuing um as um uh, ace of sword suggests uh i mean that's a, a super valid way but like if you wanted to go a different way you you, you could um but yeah some way to mm-hmm. capitalize on that 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 question and sort of bring it all together yeah definitely uh and i mean going further um like Within that that moment, I think that that still could even go into a battle, and I uh, do like how you're how you space out a lot of these uh, action lines, and a lot and I like a lot of your prose, how they're not giving us too much information, but just enough to kind of paint the uh, uh, the paint the picture for us. Uh, and I think the the only thing that's that that's holding me back for that moment is that the death of the old man was so swift that I think for this being the the moment, this being when this main character gets their revenge, I kind of would like to see that drawn out a, a bit more. But you know, of course, you have you have thirty minutes. Uh, but, but I think definitely on a uh, on a second edit, this story could be something really special. So really great job. All right, uh, let's let's move on. Who's the next one? The next up is by Jarby Jazz with tricking a nest. Uh, so we start off here and we are inside an ant colony, which is always a really fun perspective for me. I I, I, I love, love it. I love bugs, so I love reading about <laughs> bugs. Um, and uh, so the, some uh, workers are, are fighting each other until some of the soldiers come in and sort of break up the fight, which is a nice little way to sort of humanize them a little bit um, uh, because there have been some larvae found outside. So the the uh, ants bring in the larvae and they start uh, feeding them and, and having them uh, grow over time. Uh, and we get a bunch of little bits about how the colony works, about how um, they do have pride, even if they uh, do work as ants. And it, it's an interesting mix of like 
giving them emotions and and feelings, but also like keeping them like functionally as ants uh, the entire way through, which which I found really enjoyable. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, which also bringing in larvae is like a thing that that ants do do because like for the most part, uh, ants can't tell like what colony they're part of they can't tell if like their queen is actually a different queen so like some ants will actually invade another ant colony to steal all of the the larvae that they've the the other ones have like spent a bunch of resources on like you know making sure that the queen has enough calories to make right steal the larvae and then bring them back and then when those ants grow up they just work in that colony because they don't know the difference um anyway which was just an interesting idea um but um uh, in this one, some these these strange larvae um, grow uh, much bigger than a lot of the the other ones, and uh, some of the normal larvae kind of disappear, and so we're kind of like, hmm, this is kind of getting sinister. This seems like a, a trap, and these ants are totally unawares. Uh, but eventually, these uh, larvae they harden and they turn into chrysalises until eventually um, they hatch and. Um, no, none of the nursery workers know where the adults went um, until we cut the the camera sort of pans out and we see these blue, large blue butterflies up in the sky, um, resting before before their first flight um, to get the flowers. And they've been there's a the implication that this happens all the time that this is just the normal life cycle for these butterflies to uh, lay their their larvae where these. Uh, ants will will find them, get fed, and uh, then fly off um, for the glory and beauty of butterflies. So yeah, uh, I really like this story. Um, One part, because I really like how these ants are kind of humanized, in a sense. Um, And yeah, I just really love how there are nurses, and how they all, like, even though though within ant colonies it's uh close to a hive mind i I do really like how there's almost a sense of individualism there um and uh i think the like twist ending is really fun um and i think like after reading that and like going back and seeing how these larvae are different than a normal i I just just think it's really cool and i kind of like this sort of beauty that is being painted at at the end and how i don't know it feels very a uh, circle of of, of lifey uh so yeah i just i just really loved reading it so really great job yeah so my my only thing here is i i really do like this direction of the twist um i think for me there's like a, a an emotional punch that's missing and i think it comes from um the way that i was reading a lot of the of the this the uh, setup with the larva it sort of seemed like it was going a sinister direction where, uh, I mean, at some point, I think it's implied that these butterfly, um, these caterpillars, that's what they are, uh, eat some of the other larvae. And we're like, oh, this is this is actually not good at all. This is uh, like, yeah, some some <laughs> ant babies are getting eaten, right? Yeah. Um, and so I, I kind of had assumed that like it would grow up to be something that like ends up consuming all of the ants or like otherwise taking over everything um which i mean that's just the direction my brain went to and i really like that it is butterflies and i think just having maybe a little bit more uh setup or some emphasis on some kind of irony about these beautiful creatures just completely taking advantage of their home and not actually contributing anything despite being beautiful Mm -hmm. um or some kind of i i think there are 
a number of themes that like could be reflected in these actions and um yeah i just felt that like there could have been more done with that particular thing to really make me like reflect on the events of the story all right but uh thank you very much jarby jazz and uh next up is captain rhino with indecision um, this is an interesting story, um, really, really using like uh, one of these words a lot um, in, in, a, in a really effective way. Rope. So, yeah, Rope. so in between um, every uh, paragraph, which again, the paragraphs are, are for the most part very short, although I really like uh, the pacing of it where we start off with each sen- each paragraph being one sentence, and over time they sort of thicken before um, shortening again. Um where uh, yeah, between each of these paragraphs is in italics uh, stroke because this uh, character is actually uh, rowing um, uh, on a, uh, a slave uh, galley ship, um, and we we get some of the backstory where uh, they were uh, taken. It's actually a very very kind of dark and and, and tragic story where uh, oh. pirates came to their to their village, uh, took them their. Um, Wife ended up being on a, on a different ship. Um, their son was thrown into the sea, which was like, damn, <laughs> horrible. <laughs> which uh, I I almost expected just because it was so horrible. I I almost expected like the son to like come back and like be the the savior here. It was mm-hmm. that like I was just so hopeful. Um. Uh. But it, but here uh there is uh, an overseer uh, named the Viper, the only um. Named character. Yeah, the only the only person of uh on the only slave master on the on the ship that has been there since uh Miguel, our our main character, mm. uh joined up. All the other ones have like switched out over time, which is also just like terrifying as a as a concept. Just like the like this horrible thing that none of the the, the people in it are like uh like the completely in control of it. They're just parts of it. It's sort of like relating it to corporations as a terrifying concept. It's so, so, so inhuman. Anyway, um, <laughs> it's just something I, I end up thinking about a lot, but, um, uh, so at, at some point during this, a, one of the, one of the other slaves, uh, actually gets out of their place and starts fighting back against, uh, the Viper. And um, but the whole time, or Miguel continues to row for multiple reasons because, like, if they stop rowing, um, it's so much harder to start up. And we sort of get the implication of like they're actually basically convinced that like they wouldn't be able to succeed if they tried. And then if they tried, bad things would happen, right? Um, and uh, it it the the viper like lands next to them, uh, f- fallen down. And there's this moment where. Um, we kind of get implied that, like, if Miguel had uh, stood up and stopped roaming at that point, stopped with that momentum of continuing to just be in pain and, and do the work, that they probably could have fought back. Like, there's there's a chance that they would have succeeded, or a chance mm-hmm. that they would have failed, but, like, probably would have succeeded, at least in killing the Viper, uh, if not the rest of the, the, the crew. Um, but they don't. They are too set in their ways, too beaten down, and uh, they don't do anything. The Viper gets up. Um, and uh, the slave is is killed, and uh, that's the end of that. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, yeah, I mean this this story is is really great. I mean I love again this uh, choice of a uh, pacing, um, and it really works out for such a dire and and dark tone that is being built on this a uh, slave ship. 
Um, and I really do like how Captain Rhino went into creating the, this character that, that, is, that, is, that is already broken. How uh, his son was thrown into the ocean. He will probably never see his wife uh, again. And I like how setting that up also set up for his inability to actually help out in uh, stopping the uh, the uh, Viper. And, and I think that was a really great moment and a really strong moment that surprised me very much so. And uh, kind of spelled danger for another slave. So yeah, I think overall this is a great way to kind of build this this tension. Um, and yeah, I just really loved it. And I would love to either see an, another edit or just more from this. Because I think this is a really great concept. So really good job. Yeah, yeah, it's it's really tragic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Very. Um, which I think, yeah, is really good for a, a, a short story. Because we can dive deep into this tragedy, feel really awful, and then back out. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Well, all right, up... Up next, and our last one for this week, aww, is by Paradox with Transaction 11. Man, you have been going on for quite some time. <laughs> yeah, damn right. So this is the 11th entry in uh, Paradox's series about mm-hmm. the uh, assassins with the bird names, um, which uh, we talked about on um, episodes before. So we pick off where we, we left off um, the last time we talked about it on this show, actually, um, with... Um, our uh, main character has just been uh, freed. Um, our main character uh, named uh, Magpie has uh, been freed from being captured by this uh, mafia boss, essentially, in this sci-fi cyberpunk world. Um, freed by Connor, which is the the son of the mafia boss. Um, and um, Connor it basically tells Magpie that um, they uh, he's... He kind of does want his father dead. He doesn't want to be a, a mafia boss, and uh, he won't have a choice in the matter otherwise. Um, and so he, yeah, he just wants his father to die and then uh, to escape the city. And so our main character um, leaves a uh, uh, P, or uh, which is short for for Peacock, uh, their partner there, um, and then goes into the vents traveling down to where the the mafia boss is using this um plasma knife which is just a a fun concept it feels satisfying to to read how it slices things so easily um connor goes to uh talk to his father um and we exchange some some dialogue there where we really see how (laughs) the father really really sucks um he's not he's a real bad person he's not a good person at all um and then uh, magpie slips out of the vent uh, with the plasma knife and uh, stabs the uh, father in the chest. And then afterwards, uh, after looking at the dead body um, and, and defeating the the uh, second-in-command or the, the, the security guard, basically, um, talks to Connor and says, hey, um, well, since you're going to be running away anyway and starting a new life, why don't you join us? And Connor considers and then eventually says yes. Yeah, nice. So, yeah, I, I think this is a really great, great entry, um, especially uh, since we talked about the last one on the pod. Um, and, and I know as as uh, I was reading that and also as we were talking about that, I was really looking forward to seeing um, how exactly would they take this 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 guy down. <clears throat> so, yeah, I think this is the perfect con continuation to it um and yeah i just really liked a lot of the dialogue i i love how 
much um how bad the um this mafia boss was was kind of set up uh towards towards the ending where uh, he told connor to like tell the like other people exactly how he uh went about killing uh to kind of basically instill fear in them and i think that was a really great moment that kind of keyed you into more of this mafia boss's character um yeah and Um, yeah uh, well go ahead uh i i um the last time we 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 talked about the story uh we we said something about how easily our our main character got like knocked out and Mm -hmm. i think uh this is really well answered in the in this bit where it, it talks about how the 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 guy that that did that to our main character is really modded up and so i like that you answered that thank you for that um <laughs> i and i i think i'm just going to say that i i agree with all the the other comments that were said mm-hmm. uh, which talked about just the the normal prose um and uh, i would agree with a lot of their conclusions of basically uh varying up the sentence structure and um adding a bit more of like characters uh emotional reactions like physical reactions to uh events i think would go a long way to making um just uh, to to making each moment even more immersive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Uh, and I think uh, I'm gonna echo a, a comment that I saw uh, where when the mafia boss is really killed, um, I personally was expecting a lot more on that moment, but it kind of felt like it happened and then we just continued. Which, uh, if that is your your choice, that is great. But I think for this mafia boss to be set up in so many other uh, in so many other entries i think it would have been nice to kind of get more of this uh death scene but yeah overall i think it's a really great uh a really great entry uh and i would love to either see you re revisit this one or also see uh where the story will will go and what bird and what bird name will connor have so good job Um, yeah, I am, but I'm really, really, really enjoying this series, and um, yeah, I'm excited to see even more about um, our uh, cyberpunk bird people. Mm-hmm. All right. So, if you want to be like all of these wonderful writers and submit your story to do the right thing, you can do that by going to slash r slash do the right thing. All you all you have to do is go to the latest week. Use three of those four words in a story that you write within thirty minutes, and just and just go ahead and uh, submit that to us. <laughs> yep, um, uh, that that explanation um, uh, took us to secure this route. I feel um, so. Uh, yeah, if you don't have a Reddit account, then you can also send us an email at writethinkcast at gmail uh, Our inbox is open. Also, I have a personal email now that I. I never checked because I don't use it yet, but a real email of uh, Matthias at doofmedia.com. Just saying. It's very professional. Mm. It's very official. So, Ed is also a place you can contact me, um, specifically. So, if you have, like, side comments about Jarvis, that would be the way to do it. Or, Please. if you um, are want to be involved in planning the, su- the surprise party, that would also be the place to do it. Huh? Um, either So, if you want to talk shit about him or surprise party, either one, Matthias at doofmedia.com. Um... Uh... <laughs> Oh, okay. anyway, I, I'm I'm kidding about the surprise party. Unless um, if I'm not. Oh, but shit. but I but I am. Um, okay. You can uh, also follow us on Twitter, uh, which is at Right Thing Cast, to uh, see the words uh, as soon as they come out and and, and see um, notifications for when episodes come out or if we end up doing anything strange like um, you, like 
delaying an episode or anything else, uh, that would be the place to do it. Exactly. And also, if you want to support us and all the other great podcasts in, in Doof Media, you can do that by donating to the Doof Media Patreon. All you have to do is donate a dollar or, or more per month to get access to the Doof Media Discord. And also, you are supporting the content that you like to create. And then also, if you want to donate upwards of $10 or more per month, you will get access to bonus episodes, mm-hmm. including one where me and Matthias talk about Monica Magica, Magica Magica. One of the best animes ever made. Um, yeah, uh, so so I finally edited that episode and, and uploaded it. So it's on it's on Patreon. If you haven't uh, seen it, you can go listen to that if you'd like. Um, oh, and you can also go listen to the Doofcast episode. I think this is, should be probably the final time I mention it because I've talked about it so much. Um, but yeah, it's finally out. <laughs> um, uh, and uh, we need a plan uh, to record the the next episode. We mm. should do that soon. Yeah. But yeah, so so plenty of stuff going on over there. So uh, what else is going on in Doof Media, Jarvis? Excellent question. I can't answer it because I haven't looked at the, the calendar. Give me a second. Uh, uh, other stuff that's going on in Doof Media. Uh, this week, uh, we are... The, the Doof cast on Legend of Korra Season 2 is actually coming out. So after yes. mentioning uh, Avatar earlier. Um, yeah, so... It, Such a great show. Oh it's God. always been... Um, uh, I, yeah, the Doofcast is fantastic. <laughs> well, specifically, actually, um, there's a, sort of been like, I, I don't know if what to call this, a miniseries, just like a thing that we've been doing. But anytime we've been covering um, each season, the first Avatar Last Airbender and then Legend of Korra, it's been um, Scott and Matt and Elliot and Ruben all talking about it. And I've always absolutely like loved uh, their discussions on it. So I'm really looking forward to listening to this episode. Even if season two of Legend of Korra was not that good, um, mm-hmm. I'm sure I'm going to really enjoy their yeah. discussion about it. It goes downhill after the first season. Though the last season's okay. I think there's there's pros and cons to it all, but it's like... I just feel that know. the first season was so good. Ugh, that's just me. You know, not not to be like super annoying leftist, but like honestly, a lot of the problems with Legend of Korra is because they were like a bit too centrist. Uh, mm. Like like a lot of the like all the plot stuff that I have a problem with is just because they like it just took the like the easy most bland mm-hmm. position possible. Yeah, never which did is, any, like anything highly yeah. interesting. Or different. Like, also, Korra like sided with the cops in a situation where she really shouldn't have, and it's like a little bit awkward of like viewing her as like a good character, which kind of like oppressed the non-benders. Anyway, that's a tangent. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can talk about uh, days about Korra. But... Oh, oh my God. Oh, did I mention? Oh, uh, uh So okay, so on Tinder, I'm on Tinder, guys. Okay, I'm on Tinder. Nice. I'm trying to talk about this for a second. Uh, so I'm on Tinder, and I saw this person. Uh, their entire bio was like, "All ask me about Legend of Korra. I have such a huge bone to pick about it." Um, and so I, I super liked them because I really did want to talk about it. And I, yeah. the, my first message, message to them was like, "Hey, full on." Uh, the reason I, I have matched with you is specifically to talk about it. And so I, you know, I texted them like two paragraphs of me talking about Legend of Korra, and then they sent me like a two thousand word essay, like more, like it was like three or four full scrolls in the chat of them ranting about Legend of Korra and I did not respond I haven't read it yet because it was just so much I was intimidated and that was like three weeks ago and I feel really bad because I literally asked for it and then it disappeared but like oh my god that was way too much yeah I mean you you can't lay it on someone that quick I mean do you at least know what her stance was on it um 
I mean, I'm sh- I'm sure it was a good stance. It, it seemed like it was well argued. It was just a lot, mm-hmm. and I just didn't. I was like, "You seem cool, dude, but uh, give me. <laughs> I I, I, I don't have time to read yeah. an essay. I'm sorry. <laughs> I really should go back, but at this point, it's that you know that momentum of like, wow, I haven't responded in so long that like now I'm gonna seem like a dick if I respond. So I should just like continue not responding. Yeah, you know. So right now it's kind of all or nothing. Anyway. Um, Legend of Korra, uh, season two, the Doofcast, uh, this Friday. Go listen to it. It's great. Also, um, our our next episode of uh, Decomposing Worm is supposed to come out then as well. So I'm excited for that as well. Nice, nice. So I guess now it's time just to throw into next week's words or talk about how special next week is going to be. So as you know, it is episode 75. That's which, such a round number. It's a very round number, which means we're going to do something a little bit different on Do the Right Thing and something that we are calling Sequel Week. Basically, <laughs> basically, we we are posing the challenge to our audience to take any one of to to take any one of your stories, whether it be within a series or a standalone story, and and write a sequel to it. Continue that story. Uh, and uh, it can be a a story from the first week of Do the Right Thing to last week. We just want to see you try and pick up where you left off. Sure, yeah. Uh, so we, we know a lot of y'all are already writing um, sequels. Obviously, we, I think we covered, what, two this week or one this week that mm-hmm. was, a, was a sequel. So... Um, uh, so, so for those people, and and really everyone, I think um, a good way to go about this, and maybe maybe not even thinking about it exactly as like a sequel sequel, but maybe like a spiritual sequel would also mm-hmm. work, of um, going back and uh, to a story and kind of trying to answer a theme that you brought up. So not necessarily like you know pick up directly where you left off, although that is also really valid, but like you have written out a. Um, it, it, in some story, you've probably come up with some sort of theme or message of some sort and write a story that sort of reflects that. It either, you know, comes at it from the different direction, um, the opposite direction, um, ask a related question, um, but not answering it or something like that. If you have already written a series, you can either go back to a different story or you could go back to uh, the beginning or some earlier point in your story and uh, write the a, a sequel to it but from um uh, either like taking a different direction like i know some of you have written a whole like 15 chapters right so if you go back and knowing what you want the story to become later mm-hmm. on you know change chapter two what is it when you rewrite chapter two knowing everything you know what is different or rewrite chapter one whatever you like exactly exactly but also on top of that uh, if you're not feeling it, that's that's completely fine. We still have four words for you to add into your story, which are feel, food, bubble, and contribution. That's right. Um, just to finish off the thought, if you uh, do uh, do a, a, a sequel, you don't necessarily have to use the four words. I think it would still be useful if you uh, need like any sort of direction to, mm-hmm. to still use the, the words. Um, but obviously that's not always going to be possible depending on you know setting and, and such uh, but but either way you probably should stick to the the 30 minutes thing just to make sure that you know uh, your story is at the 
a, a readable length, right, mm-hmm. for, for <laughs> us to talk about on here. Um, but okay, so um, feel as if, as in to like feel a feeling, an emotion. Mm-hmm. Also, that's so weird that the word feeling can like, be described feel, by feel. Usually, yeah, feel like feel is a really weird word to me. It it implies very like physical sensations, yeah. but it feel also it just like means sensory, any basically. sensation. Yeah, but not all senses because you don't feel smell. sight, yeah, yeah, or smell. Huh. So anyway. So <laughs> So you could use the verb uh, to feel something or a feeling or feelers even, which are like antenna, except mm-hmm. I think they have like the little like brushes on. I don't know. Um, the next word is food. It's food. Uh, so focus your <laughs> story about food. It's what you eat. Uh, bubble as in like a, a soap bubble or, you know, when you blow bubbles mm-hmm. is, is an option or like, someone could be drowning and bubbles could be coming up. It's, it's just um, a roundish thing that contains air. Yeah, or someone has entered your personal bubble, mm. or um, someone is living in a uh, what's it called when it's like an internet bubble, like oh, like an um, idea bubble. Yeah, it's like a, that? Ugh. yeah. There, there's a word for it. Um, your social that bubble? word. Oh, Something like that. Yeah. Uh, and then a contribution, which is to I think using it. Using the verb to contribute, I think, would be fine. Mm-hmm. Um, but to uh, support something, to, to pay into a, a larger uh, either uh, project or action or something of that yeah. sort. So now that we have the words, Jarvis, what story are you going to write next week? So my story that I'm going to write next week is going to take Under the Sea. Uh, okay. And we will follow the journey of this small little crab named um, Sea Air or Siar uh, in his native tongue. But you see, this crab is a, is a little different. He doesn't live in he doesn't live in Crab Town. He's not part of the Crab Empire. He actually used to be a land crab, one that was bred and set up to be eaten, but. A delightful little child bought this this crab and put him in the ocean to be free. But this crab was ill-prepared for all that bubbles down in the deep. So mm. so this so this crab uh, normally spends his his time next to a human-made water reservoir. Uh, because there are little bits of, of flakes and food there, and also the sweet smell of human bile uh, is fam- is familiar to hmm. to this crab and gives him the best of, of feelings of home. So we follow the the story of 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 this crab throughout all of his mon- mundane life up until he finds another land crab. One who is smaller, weaker, and broken and brittle. And mm-hmm. you see this 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 land crab, this trailblazer of of undersea exploration, decides to take this 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 other crab under his 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 wings. And then mm-hmm. they finally de- decide to work towards a common goal to to contribute all of their efforts to one day returning to land. Wow. That's beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. What about you? What are you going to spit down next week? 
Um, so I'm going to write a story about a girl. Um, this girl's name is Sharon. Um, but she was born with a particular um, really unfortunate birth defect. She was born as a bubble. Like, she was born with skin of soap bubbles. Oh. Um, one soap bubble. She's one child-shaped bubble. Still growing and getting older and everything. Like, in every other form, is a child, but is a bubble, uh, which has made life really hard for her, and it's made her her mom have to be really protective of her because you know if any sort of sharp object came near, or if she moved too quickly, or if something hit her too hard, she would pop, and that would be it. But uh, Sharon, as as she grew up, she um, really, really became fascinated with the concept of making food, of cooking. Um, and uh, over time, and more and more, um, eating is one of the few things that actually became easier for her because she could just like pass it into her bubble self and it would kind of get dissolved. Um, and um, so she, you know, became really fascinated with it. And she grew up wanting to um, become a, uh, a chef, feeling that that was her calling to uh, join um, a, a uh, Michelin, a five, four-star Michelin restaurant um, and, and rise up the ranks somehow. But of course, um, she's a bubble and <laughs> the kitchen is very, very dangerous. And her mom was always, uh, you know, screaming that, no, you can't become a chef. You can't become a chef. Uh, the knives will poke you and you'll pop. The fires will burn you and you'll pop. The Just people running around will bump into you and you'll pop. It don't, don't do it. And Sharon was said, I'm going to, I'm going to do it. It's my dream, mom. You have to let me become a bubble chef. And uh, eventually, she uh, became. Uh, she she did she did join a, a, a cooking apprenticeship, and she did rise up the ranks. She became so good, um, and and finally, um, she actually had a a close uh, brush with death. A um, she just she almost like nicked herself when she was cutting some vegetables. It was actually very dangerous, but that was almost like every day. But she like actually like noticed it this time. It was really bad, um, and so she was like, okay, actually, I've my life has flashed before my, my my eyes. I need to reevaluate things. And so, uh, after um, a bunch of trials and tribulations that we're not going to get into because it would it's a whole movie's worth, <laughs> she eventually uh, came up with an entirely new way uh, to eat food, which is within bubbles. And she opened a bubble restaurant with flavored bubbles, which is kind of weird because it's also like herself in a sense. Yeah. Um, it makes more sense in the movie version. Uh, anyway, uh, she she started a bubble uh, a bubble restaurant. It got four Michelin stars, um, and that was her uh, largest con- contribution to society. Wow, I love Ratatouille. That was amazing. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah. Thank you, thank you. Um, so it's now it's going to be a major motion picture. Mm-hmm. It's called um, Bub- Bubble 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 Tui <laughs> Bubble Tui Bubble Tui mm. Bubble Tui. Nice. It's, it takes uh, place in when's Louisiana. It when's it coming out? Um, it's coming out next. That next next right right thing. It's coming out next. Do the right thing. Do the right, it's, yep. That's, it's coming out. Yeah.